God, thank you. It is you. That's why we're here this morning to worship, to adore you, because you are worthy of all the glory, of all the praise. God, thank you for, the, for the, your word, the gift that you've given us, for psalms that we get to look to, uh, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us and invite us to yourself this morning, God. We love you. We worship you. Speak through your spirit this morning, Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. You can go ahead and take a seat. At this time, uh, ages, uh, you can be dismissed for children's church ages four through uh, first grade. If we had, haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Josiah Miltzer, and I have the privilege of being the youth director here at Oak Hill Church. And I have a question for you this morning. Uh, have you ever been in amazement of someone else's voice before? Like, I'm not talking about like a a singing voice, but like, more so like actors with iconic or dynamic voices. Like, if somebody made a a biography for my life, I I would really hope that they would ask Morgan Freeman to read it. You know what I mean? Like, it would be at some really boring part, you know, eighth grade, uh, when I got honorable mention at the eighth grade science fair, but Morgan Freeman would be reading it, so you'd at least be paying attention a little bit, you know what I mean? Or, or how about another famous actor with a very uh, iconic voice, James Earl Jones. And he had this famous line from Lion King is Mufasa, Simba, remember who you are. You know, that voice, it just sticks in your head. Or, or when he was Darth Vader and he was talking to Luke Skywalker, I am your father. Like, you, you hear those voices you, you remember those voices, both Morgan Freeman and James Earl Jones, and these two amazingly gifted men had the ability that when they spoke, it was captivating. It, it, it got your attention. It, it made you listen. What, what are some voices that if you were to close your eyes, if your eyes were closed, you would know? Like if, if my wife Annie said, uh, Josiah, and my eyes were closed, or it, well, especially if it was like, Josiah, I would know that voice, just like if my eyes were still closed and, and my son Judah said, Dada, I, I would know that voice as well, uh, because he speaks like half words, half a language that only Annie and I can understand. But I know his voice. I, I know her voice. It, it, it is possible to know someone's voice. Today's message, we're actually going to be talking about someone's voice too. It's about God's voice. And we get to look at the book of Psalms in chapter 29 and talk about the voice of God and how God's voice rumbles. So let's read Psalm 29 together. Reading from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all cry glory. 
The Lord is, sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Before we get into our three points and, and really dissect Psalm 29, I, I want to give a little bit of background on this psalm because I think it's important. See, when we, when we look at Psalm 29, whether you're reading on your phone or in your Bible, you'll see right after Psalm 29, it says, a psalm of David. And, and we get to see in, in the book of Psalms, that the, the, a huge book, there's 150 psalms or, or, or chapters, and David is credited with writing, for sure, 75 of them, or 50%. You know, if you're shooting three-pointers, that's pretty good. But David was, was a, a shepherd at first. He was a giant slayer. He was a warrior. He was a musician. He was a, a loyal best friend, and he was a king. But David was also an idolater, a murderer, a terrible father, and he was a sinner just like me and you. But however, the, the phrase used to describe David in the Bible is a man after God's own heart. Because he constantly poured out his heart before the Lord. In his Psalms, we, we get to see at times when David is writing at his absolute worst, in shame, in depression, in confession, and in crying out to God. We also have Psalms of David where he pours out his heart to God in joy and in trusting the Lord or thanking God for his provision and what he had done. This Psalm that we're going to read, Psalm 29, is a little bit different than those Psalms though because in this Psalm, David doesn't include himself in it. He's just writing about how the Lord is worthy of all the glory, specifically because of his mighty voice. The last bit of background that I want to give on this psalm that I think is helpful is, is David, uh, he's a very good writer. He, he, raise, he lays out this psalm in a way that your English teacher would be very proud of. See, at the beginning of the psalm, like we just read, he, he has two verses of an intro or, or a call to worship in a sense, asking you to ascribe or, or to honor the Lord because he's the definition of holiness and, and worthy of all of our glory and strength and praise. And then he, he breaks into the body of the text, which is seven verses that talks about how his voice rumbles. And we're going to talk about that and break that down. And then, and then he finishes it with, a, with a, a conclusion and a reminder of where God is and what he does for his people. Uh, our, our first point that we're going to take a look at this morning is what does his voice look like? Wait, voice look like? Can, can we see voices now? Am I missing something? This idea of voice of the Lord uh, appears in, and is repeated seven times in the seven verses of the body of the text. And, and we see this idea of the voice of the Lord taking the form of a rumbling, powerful, and mighty thunderstorm. Each of these verses talk about how his voice or about what this thunderstorm does as it crosses the land. It paints this image for the reader of this time of a thunderstorm forming in the Mediterranean Sea and working eastward into the land. And these geographical locations that it puts out, like the cedar trees on the foothills or the mountains of Lebanon, or Syrian, which was another name given actually to Mount Hermon, or the Kadesh Desert, another location that they would recognize. And although those names and locations they don't really mean anything to us today, right? But it would have meant something to the readers back then. It gave them something concrete, something for them to understand and, and track and follow along with. 
it would kind of be like saying like this today. Uh, we have a tornado that's working north to northwest out of Alexandria, going across the Otter Tail and being to Detroit Lakes by 6 p.m. All the northern Minnesotans would go, oh, okie dokie, you betcha, that's some kind of storm, eh? I can almost hear my, some of my mom's relatives saying that. <laughs> Seriously, though, Psalm 29 paints this illustration, something for us to grasp or understand of, of this mighty thunderstorm. So let's dig a little deeper into that. Looking at verses 3 and verse 7, these phrases, thunders over the mighty waters, strikes with flashes of lightning. This gives us the details that we were kind of talking about, and it paints the illustration of God's voice portraying the thunder and the lightning that make up a thunderstorm. But this isn't any thunderstorm. Look at verse 5 and verse 9 again. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars or, or trees. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Continuing on, it, it twists the oaks. It strips the forest bare. The winds of this storm is so powerful that trees are not only being brought down, but they're being torn apart into pieces. Think about that. A, a, a strong or a super severe storm sometimes has have massive winds that come along with them. Straight line winds, right? And, and trees come down. But to be torn into pieces? What kind of powerful storm can do that? The answer is not a, a what. It, it's actually a, it's a who. Who does that? My heavenly father does that. By the power of his voice, he is so mighty and powerful that nothing can stand. Metaphorically, spiritually, physically, in his way, he is unstoppable. Our first point that we can take away from this psalm is, what does his voice look like? His voice is not a what, it is a who. Our, our second point that we're going to unpack a little bit more is, how does his voice work and move? Verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. Have you ever been in a, a really bad thunderstorm before? Like one that's like right over your house, and, and it kind of shakes your house a little bit? And you feel it, your heart flutters, you're shook to your core, and the foundation trembles a little bit. It gets your attention. It makes you listen. It's crazy to think that in the same way, our Father is also able to shake the deserts, even though there's nothing even there. Verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. In the midst of these powerful, earth-shaking storms, we can also be reminded and be in awe of how powerful and majestic our Lord God is. But a thunderstorm is not the only example that we have to show that's shown God's voice. No, the strongest and, and the most powerful way this voice moved was found unexpectedly in a way, uh, in an out-of-the-way small village just south of the capital of Jerusalem. Almost a, a thousand years after King David wrote this psalm, we hear that voice embodied in the cry of a baby in a manger. And although it might seem like one of the smallest voices, it held the same power and might of a mightiest thunderstorm. Micah the prophet for, foretold this event in Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judea, 
out of you will come from me, one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins from, uh, from of old, from ancient times. And Jesus' good friend, the Apostle John, put it this way, John 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God became flesh. His voice became flesh in the person of Jesus. He was willing to lead, he, he willingly left all of glory for you and for me. He willingly and lovingly came and dwelt among us so that we could know him and that we could know his voice. You want to see the voice of God? Look at the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, if, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Uh, on Sunday mornings, our, our youth actually gather at the house uh, and, and we do something called breakfast club. Sometimes I cook, sometimes we have cereal or donuts. But the past few months, we've been going through a, a, a series called The Chosen, actually. And if you're not familiar with this series, I give it the double thumbs up. Highly, highly recommend it. You can type it in the Google, The Chosen, and you can find multiple different platforms to watch it, and it's free. They fundraise for it, so anyone can watch it and experience the, the, the gospel. But, but The Chosen uh, portrays the ministry of Jesus in a real and practical way. And what it could have looked like to spend a day with Jesus or a week with Jesus and his disciples. Each week, even though I know it's, it's just a show, I, I'm constantly captivated, even this morning when we were watching it, by the teaching that Jesus brings, by the wisdom that he possesses, by the, by the lives that he touches through his miracles, and the way that he cares and loves people. I find myself wishing that I could have been there in the crowd following him with his disciples, listening to his voice. But because Jesus came down and dwelt among us, because we have God's voice in the flesh, we can listen to that same voice that taught so many years ago. We have his word, the Bible. And the Bible carries life-transforming power for our daily lives even today. So let's review. What does his voice look like? That, that voice is not a what, it's a who. How can we know this voice? His voice still speaks today through God's word. And our final point that we're going to take a look at this morning. Why is his voice so important? Or, or maybe another way to phrase it would be, why does hearing this voice matter? His voice matters because it speaks to our heart condition. Remember at the beginning when we talked about the author of the psalm, King David? And we laid out his sins for all to see. Adulterer, he tried to cover up his adultery by committing murder. Terrible father. It's easy for us to point a finger because his sins are, are listed for us all to read. They're known. But in a very real sense, we are just like King David. Proverbs 20 verse 9 says this, Who can say I've cleansed my heart? I'm pure from my sin. Romans 3.10 answers that for us so we don't have to wonder. There's no one righteous, not even one. We are in the same boat as King David. Romans 7 even expands on our sinful nature a little bit more in this terminal heart condition that happens in, in us. It says Romans 7, 18 and 19. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. We are in need, 
By ourselves, our hearts are in the same place as King David. Slaves to sin. Sins that are known to all and sins that are known just to self. It doesn't matter. Sin is a disease that no one is immune to. It is a condition that anyone, you can't be protected from. Not one of us escapes the scope, its reach, its impact. Sin doesn't play favorites. Sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. My prayer for your heart, my prayer for my heart is this, that we would recognize our sin, that we wouldn't shy away from it because it's uncomfortable, because it's hard to talk about, because it's evil. But our response would be the same as King David did in Psalm 51, an outcry, a confession, a broken heart laid before the Father. Psalm 51, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. And because we we serve a God whose voice rumbles, in which nothing, no mountains, no forests, no deserts can stand in his way, it's all torn down. By his mighty power, by his thunder, by his lightning, the truth is this, 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Because of Jesus, because of this voice who became flesh, because he gave us life on the cross and paid the death penalty once and for all, we are forgiven. Not by anything we've done, not because of some magic words that we say, but because of the one who calls us by name, our shepherd. John 10 verses 14 and 27 through 28 says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. His voice matters because his voice brings comfort and it welcomes peace. God of the universe, whose voice is as powerful as a thunderstorm, knows your name, and he calls you by name. Out of the billions upon billions of people who have lived on earth, he knows your name, the number of hairs on your head, the color of your eyes, and your favorite movie. He knows everything about you. He knows your sin, and he's forgiven you, and says you are loved. And as we just read, we the sheep, we can listen to his voice. We can actually know his voice. And just like I can know the, wife, the, the voice of my wife and, and my child, we can know his voice of our heavenly father because of his word. We can determine the lies of the enemy. We can navigate the, 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 all the voices that the world throws at us by knowing his word. We can find trust and comfort and peace in that because we can look to the promises of God. The promises that include the voice that we will hear someday as followers of this shepherd. Well done, good and faithful servant. And to think those are the words that we long for. Those could very well be the first audible words that we hear from our Savior's rumbling voice. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your rumbling voice that even though it has the power of of the mightiest thunderstorm, You were willing to take on flesh. You were willing to come and dwell among us through your son, Jesus. 
Thank you for the gift of your word, God, that we can, we can look and we can know your voice. We can know your word because you've given us your word. You, you wanted us 2,000 years later to be able to know you, to know your, your voice. Thank you for the promise that, of, of John that we just read of you being our good shepherd. That promise that no one can take us. God, thank you that we are safe with you, that you know us by name, you know everything about us and you still love us. You care about us. What a miracle that is. It's worthy of all of our praise and all of our glory and that's why we worship you, God. God, thanks for this body of believers, Oak Hill. We love you, God, we praise you.